Blog Talk Radio. It is Monday, July 8th, and it's Blazing Rye Radio. It's your smoking nephew, Blazing Rye, on the ones and twos with my delectable co-host, at I Will Cut You on Twitter, Tamika Kid. Tamika, welcome back. How are you? All right. How are you doing? I'm doing fine. It's, uh, I, you know, not only has it been a while since we've done the show together, but it's been a while since I've done the normal show because uh, there's been this yeah. other show on Wednesdays. And it's nice to get back to doing the the normal show. Now, both shows are quite chaotic, but uh, this one has a bit more structure. Um, so <laughs> it's nice to be back. I'd like to apologize to uh, to the loyal listeners who uh, have been wondering where we've been the last few weeks. It's been a little, a little break trying to uh, organize some stuff and put some stuff together for you in the future. Um, so, Tamika, what have you been up to lately? What haven't I been up to? I don't know. I think the last time I talked to you was before Broadway Bears. And then okay. I went to a different fundraiser for another theater project. And then I've been working at Harlem Hospital. So I, I you know, just trying to do the damn thing. That's all. So you got a new job at a hospital then? Well, semi, yes. It's with uh, EMS, uh, I think it's EMS 19 is located there, and I'm working upstairs at one of the teaching schools uh, doing mm-hmm. some of the administrative stuff. So that's actually kind of cool until it got hot because then everyone knows that SDNY ambulances have some of the best air conditioning in life and where the oh, yeah? schools do not. Yeah, where the schools do not. So that's okay. <laughs> <laughs> so. They like to torture the kids. Uh, you mentioned Broadway yes. Bears. Tell me about that experience. Did you... Uh... Did you poison anyone's drink? No, and per se, I didn't see anyone go down, per se. So uh-huh. I didn't have the chance <laughs> to perform mouth-to-mouth with anyone there. But it was another beautiful fundraiser and event, and uh, I took some really cool pictures just randomly, and, it, you know, even though you're not supposed to, whatever. Uh, it was a... <laughs> It was it was a cool it was a very cool event. I, I this year every year seems more and more professional, and it's always been professional. But I should I should say it seems more refined. And I've only been going for three years now, uh, having worked mm-hmm. the last two. This year again, truly being a spectator, it just I miss like the grittiness of it, but it was still kind of gritty because. You know, a few things happened that were awesome. <laughs> what happened? Well, a few wardrobe malfunctions and did uh, uh did some wee wees pop out? I believe so, and I was that close. But also, Billy Porter popped out his Tony, so that was nice. <laughs> <laughs> so, so he that, he no. did did his Tony pop out of his clothing, or he just had it? He had it in a bag that was positioned a certain way. So, you know, do you know Ricky Schroeder? 
Which one? I'm not talking <laughs> about the kids and silver spoons. I'm okay, talking about see, the little every... little redhead, uh, you know, the 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 she the sea devil. The twink? Yes, yeah, the twink. So right. I after Broadway Bears, I went to try and Facebook stalk Ricky Schroeder because I figured he had a bunch of shirtless pictures on there, right? And then when I go, it's uh, he's dressed completely in drag, and and oh, he's wow. pretty well clothed. So and mm. you know that that did nothing for me. Hmm. You should have seen the twink that uh, we saw at the end of the show, actually outside, uh, take on a guy probably two sizes bigger than him. Uh, it was an interesting fight. Uh, someone asked me, a friend that I was with, he asked me, why does everyone stand around and see gay men fight, but when straight people fight, they start calling the cops? And I was like, well, because we're waiting to see whose ass is going to be beat real quick. And we always put our money on the gay dude, so it's just, it's, who knows? I, I know what happened in this I, situation. The twink took the guy down real quick, and NYPD let him because the guy was he was in the wrong, and the twink was in the right. And he, you know, once he took him down real quick, and then he backed up in the street. We're all standing there on fifty fifty fifth, and it's like, all right, what down? Thank you. Were they both I actually gay told, guys, or, or was the other guy no, a straight guy? No, no, no. The other dude was a straight dude. He got in the wrong fight. What was the fight about? Uh, I think it was the gentleman that was displaced was asking for money and getting into people's faces, and the twink had had too much to eat or drink or something and was not taking it, and it just went bad from there. I kept telling people to keep walking because NYPD had already started rolling up, and, you know, the situation was diffused very quickly. But it was just amazing to see, in in the sense that, like my friend was saying, why do people always stick around to see, you know, presumably a gay fight as opposed to a straight fight? But in that setting, everyone knew nothing was going to really jump off besides one person being diffused and the other person being taken away. And that's literally what took place because an FDNY rolled up and, you know, it was okay, well, but it was interesting. The guy, the guy couldn't have been more than five eight, and the guy that uh, was displaced, who was asking for uh, extras or money or whatever, was at least six four. Oh wow! So, yeah, it and was. The, the, the twink beat him up. Yes. <laughs> he like punched <laughs> him or kicked him or no he did a behind the head maneuver and dropped him to the uh, concrete very quickly because we all heard oh he did the headlock no he's too small he was too small to do a headlock he just put his hands behind his head and just dropped them like he would bounce a basketball very quickly off of the ground (laughs) it was (laughs) and i'm recalling this event having enjoyed myself and having not to have you know, acted in a responsive nature to anything, really. But that was crazy, and I'd never seen anything like it. And this, I like imagine I said, this that there's show was... a bit, there's there's a bit of fear associated with something like that happening lately with all the uh, hate crimes going on. I mean, there's, there must have been a, a little tension, at least that something worse was going to happen. Well, now. 
that's why it took place a little bit aside from under the marquee, and but it's still right there. So I think everyone kind of knew that it wasn't going to jump off too bad for the smaller guy. But the, I guess we all, unfortunately, as sick as our society is, sometimes wanted to see what was going to happen. I actually wanted to warn the displaced or homeless gentleman that probably wasn't going to be the best fight for him. But the look in his eyes, I could tell something was, he was on something. I was like, never mind. And kept walking, you know, and we stopped a few yards back, and then, you know, the smaller man had prevailed, and then NYPD rolled up. It was almost like they were watching, too. It was very surreal. I really have, this is the first time I've talked about it on any sort of public public forum, because, Everyone literally was waiting to see what was going to happen because everyone was so protected and nobody was interfering. You know, it was almost like uh, right. something out of Rome. It was not cool. The TV but show? At, whatever. But nobody was naked yet. <laughs> that was <laughs> Wait, so this is before or after? This is after. Okay. So they people had been naked. Had been, yes. And then and they were probably going home to get more naked. Yeah. Or to the after parties or to the diners or because the show ends at 2, the bars are still open until 4. And uh-huh. I demurred to uh, go ahead and come on home because I really, it, it was hot and I could see how people were acting and I just did not want to be a part of that. So. Hmm. Yeah. Ain't nobody got time for that. What about, yeah. did you... Did you see the uh, Wimbledon finals yesterday? I I saw it through your eyes on Facebook. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, so what I'm thinking is, you know, a- Andy Murray was the first person from Great Britain, first man anyway, to win uh, the men's singles at Wimbledon in 77 years. Uh, the thing that alarmed me about this is that the the people of the United Kingdom are often very um, quick to attack people from different lands within their community. So, uh, like, people from Scotland tend to hate the English, and people from England tend to hate the Welsh, and, you know, it's, it's all that, and mm-hmm. Irish people hate, you know, everyone else, um, especially <laughs> the British. Uh, so, but the thing is, as soon as they have this guy, you know, this this goddess guy, then all of Great Britain gets behind him. And it is just kind of ridiculous to me that, like, you know, they're like, oh, I hate the Scottish. And then now they're all, like, you know, waving their flag around and love them. Well, how long has it been? What, 90-some-odd years? 77. 77. Okay, close enough. Uh, I don't, you know what? That happens in a lot of cultures, but, you know... God bless him. It looked. I was able to see some of the highlights after everything was said and done. It looked like a hell of a match. So. Well, that's yeah. the other thing. It also wasn't nearly as good a match as it should have been. Like, Djokovic didn't play as well as he usually does. People are speculating that possibly it's because of his five-set, uh, you know, epic match uh, two days before with Del Potro. Maybe that tired him out. Um, but Murray won in straight sets, and I haven't seen Djokovic lose any match in straight sets in a long, long time. Um, well, the heat could so. have played a factor as well. I will, I will giving that. Uh, still being a medic, I would say the heat 
definitely if they were if one was more hydrated than the other, that could mm-hmm. have played a factor. Obviously, they both still wanted it, but uh, you know yeah. maybe it was just this time to to lose and for the other to win. That's all. <laughs> well. Speaking of that, afterwards yesterday, my friend, I was in New Haven, and my friend Jason Friedman, he's uh, the paper towels guy. Uh, he's been on this podcast before, the drama therapy special. So yes. Friedman and I go to uh, play tennis in New Haven because he lives there now, uh, and and I was home visiting my mother. And now bear in mind, Tamika, that the last time Friedman and I played and had not finished the match was eight years ago in college. So this is the first time back, and we are like have our headset on finishing this match. Um, so uh, we had so many distractions along the way, uh, and uh, the first thing that happened. So so Friedman comes to pick me up. I get in his car. I bring rackets. I I'd only had like one ancient racket lying around, and then. He didn't have a racket, so I needed to get one for him. So my other friend, Jason, Jason Rawlings, he dropped off a racket, and he was supposed to take me to Friedman, but then he couldn't, so Friedman had to take me, and there was a lot of traffic coming back from where he was in the Cape. And so, you know, we're just running into these little problems at first, and Friedman picks me up. We go to the, the tennis courts at my old high school, and guess what, Tamika? When I get to my old tennis courts at my old high school, I, I wanted to play on my old number one single captain court from when I went to Cross High School there in New Haven, and they turned my court into kitty court. And now there's like four courts where two of the main courts used to be, and they're for children. So that was really offensive, right? Are you with well, me? Well, that should be easier, yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And uh, by the way, Cole Hermer, I see you on the line. We'll be with you in a second, buddy. So Friday and I go over to the uh, other end of the, the courts uh, where there is, you know, normal people, normal-sized people courts. And, oh, oh wait, I'm, I'm jumping ahead here. I'm jumping ahead. Uh, we get to the courts, and I notice that there's just the little kitty courts, and then I realized, I was like, wait a minute, Friedman, do you have balls? And he was like, I was really hoping you would have balls in one of those tennis bags, bro. And I said, oh. no, I was really hoping you would have balls. So then he was like, well, where do you suggest we get tennis balls? And I said, uh, CVS. And he was like, really, CVS? And I said, yeah, pharmacies, oddly, usually have tennis balls. And he was like, all right, we have two choices. We can either go to Sports Authority in Hamden or go to CVS and wind up going to Hamden anyway. And I was, like, cracking up because he was just saying that, you know, CVS isn't going to have them. So then we go to Hamden, Connecticut, to get tennis balls at what he thinks is Sports Authority. It winds up being Modell. It's not Sports Authority. So we get the two cans of tennis balls. Then we go back to the tennis courts. Keep in mind, we have to go from town to town here. We go back to New Haven, back to the tennis courts, and he opens one of the can of balls. I open the other can, and it opens in a really weird way. And as I was trying to get my finger under the lid, uh, guess what? You, uh, you cut the finger. Yep, and so blood is just protruding out of my finger like crazy. And I was thinking, like, oh, what do I do? All I have on me is just a tissue. And I was, like, holding the blood in with the tissue. And he was like, is that your uh, playing hand? And I was like, no, no, it's not the hand I play with. <laughs> Uh, so, but then I was like, we should probably go wash it up. So then we had to leave the course again even before we even hit the ball. And I washed up at Friedman's uh, apartment, which just happens to be in the same neighborhood as the courts. And then he brought me to, he was like, I'll bring you to CVS. And so then he brings me to what he thinks is CVS. And it's Rite Aid. 
So he's telling me all these places, and I grew up in New Haven, and I have no idea what he's talking about because I know there's no CDS where he's big CDS. So he, he says Sports Authority, takes me to Models, he says CDS, takes me to Rite Aid. So that was driving me nuts, but he was nice enough to do it. So then I got the bootleg Neosporin and the, uh, some Band-Aids, and then we go back to the tennis courts, and then we hit around for a while, and we never played an actual point, and I really had to go to the bathroom. So then I was like, this, I think we might have to stop. And so we never actually played eight years later, and there were so many factors keeping us away from playing tennis. Plus, it was really hot. Why do you think all okay. that shit happened yesterday? One of the factors might have been that God didn't want y'all to get heat stroke out there. <laughs> and then, two, CVS, obviously, any drugstore, I think, is going to have tennis balls, especially in that area of of Connecticut, um, not so much for the sports enthusiasts, but the amount of people that might be in walkers, they put those on the bottom of the, the front of the, the legs of their walkers and use those. That's why yeah. we've gone to CVS right off the bat. But that's just me <laughs> <The> thinking. <laughs> yeah, that that's just me thinking practically, but you know. Yeah, but I knew I wouldn't get heat that. stroke because I've played in much hotter than that before. You know. Well, God bless you. God bless you. All right. So we're going to bring on our first guest, talented rock and roller whose new EP is called Quote the Raven. Please welcome Cole Hermer. (laughs) Cole, how are you? I'm good, Ryan. How are you? We're doing fine over here. Uh, where are you, by the way? I am in a little cabin just outside of Ottawa, Ontario. I'm on vacation for the week. I kind of fell off the face of the earth for a little while. Everybody back home is wondering where I am, too. So. Oh, wow. So you just you disappeared and didn't tell anyone? Oh, well, I told my manager. <laughs> <laughs> Not your family. Um, Basically, so, well, the person that gave you the stuff. check. <laughs> I'm up here with the family, so just oh, okay. Well, that makes sense. So your bio says that you experimented with twists and turns of prog rock. What is prog rock? Does that mean progressive rock? Progressive rock. Yeah, this was. Um, I was in a progressive band about maybe three years ago. My musical journey has kind of taken me all over the place, and. It, it, it's funny because the music that I ended up in is so opposite of progressive rock. It's I've gone for and progressive rock is typically very complicated music. It's very based on you know like classical elements usually, and it was it made me a better player though because you really have to know how music works to play it. But I think mm-hmm. what I also you know, sometimes you have to learn to play really fast to learn how to play slow. Mm-hmm. Too. So, and it's ironic because the music I make is so simplified. Like, it's kind of bare bones, and that's always something. I've always kind of liked to either be very over the top or as minimal as humanly possible. <laughs> okay, nowhere in between. And when you went from playing... Uh, metal to playing rock and roll, I read that you said that metal actually limited you creatively. Uh, how do you think metal limited you, and how has rock and roll kind of expanded your uh, musical abilities? 
Because rock and roll, you can express lots of of different emotions. Like, metal's mostly a music that's based on anger, which is great, because not a lot of music is able to do that, and that's what makes metal so special. But I think I just always felt like I had something more to say. Mm-hmm. Because I'm not a very angry person. I'm actually, I'm contrary, I'm quite a happy person most of the time. <laughs> but what music's kind of... Is is it's that way to, because everybody has frustration and everybody has mm-hmm. kind of that stuff that builds up. And I'm a person who tends to kind of hold that stuff back because I never have the, I'd never have the guts, and I'm much too gentle a person to ever do anything to anybody. <laughs> okay, I read about our next guest tonight. Matthew Heller seems seems like a very angry person, so maybe we'll have opposite ends of the spectrum tonight. Uh, Tamika, I hear you chomping at the bit to ask Cole a question over there. Well, I, uh, Cole, this is Tamika Kidd. How are you doing? Hi. I'm hey, good. Um, good. And I'm sure you're enjoying your vacation and coming off, and going off the grid for a minute. Yeah. Um, I uh, understand that your philosophy is to take every chance that you get because it might lead you to an interesting place. Can you tell us how interesting places that you've been so far? Um, interesting places, uh well it can lead you some of the there's interesting as in shady places and then there's also interesting <laughs> as in kind of places that were a little bit out of my comfort zone, especially for a rock musician. Like I for instance, how this whole E P started was I was a I was part of a short-lived kind of um, experimental reality show, believe it or not. Mm-hmm. Which is, which was this guy. His idea was to basically create a reality show around kind of how bands are formed and how young musicians work together. And you know, it's, I'm not sure whatever became of it, but like I'm. I wasn't on it for very long, but it was through that that I met Michael Hansen, who was really the first guy to give me my big break, and he co-wrote most of this EP with me. Like, we wrote it together kind of like, really, we were songwriting partners, but if I hadn't, and this is something that usually most, and a lot of rock musicians will be kind of like, oh, it's, that's so mainstream, well... (laughs) <laughs> and ended up being my break, being my big break. Yeah. Uh, and well, this, that sounds like an e- interesting place. Yeah. To go, you know? Yeah. <laughs> this EP that you just mentioned called Quote the Raven, a few questions about that. Are you a fan of Poe? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've always found Edgar Allan Poe to be a kind of an interesting character. One of the, He was one of the first poets to really explore the dark side of life and for me that's what rock and roll is really about it's about looking on the side of life that's maybe the uglier side of the place that's not so acceptable right kind of like what's okay, going on I'm... behind closed doors mm-hmm. my next question regarding that is are you a fan of the t- television show the following um i've heard of it i've been told it's a great show but I'm, okay. I'm not much of a TV watcher, but because but I, I was then going, if you were a fan of both Poe and the following, then I was going to ask if I should be worried for my life. But I'm glad that you've never <laughs> seen the show, and that's not where the album name is derived from. 
No, no, it wasn't derived from that. I actually took the title from a newspaper article. Um, oh, yeah. It was a review of a, uh, I think, I'm trying to remember. I think it was a Robert, was it Robert Downey Jr. was in it, and it was a movie called The Raven. Oh, you mean John Cusack? Yeah, John Cusack, sorry. Uh-huh. I don't know where I got Robert was... Downey Jr. from That's okay. John Cusack. Uh, right. Similar era. Similar right. era, yeah. But, um, yeah, and it was a review of that movie. And it was the, mm-hmm. that was the title of the article, and I remember I was a, I was asleep in my room, and then my mom ran in my room, and <laughs> she said, this, this would be a great band name, and originally... When I was going to release this EP, it was going to be a band name, but the problem is I'm an acoustic artist as well, so if I put it out as a band name, like, quote, The Raven, all the people who know me through, like, my acoustic shows and my kind of soul stuff that I do without the band, they wouldn't know that I'm involved in it, so. <laughs> yeah, That's and I guess... I... Cole Hermer and quote the Raven doesn't really have a good ring to it. Doesn't roll off the tongue quite as well. No, it and doesn't. And also, I'm a big uh, fan of like Bruce Springsteen and the E Street Band and Neil Young and Crazy Horse and stuff like that. So that's kind of where the idea idea came from because they those guys can go do whatever they want. And yeah. When the band's open, they uh, can just go by that. And... Mm-hmm. You mentioned Springsteen and Neil Young just now. Those are some of your. Uh, Influences, I guess. Who, who, who else have been musical influences on you? Uh it's there. It, it's interesting because I have. There's kind of two kinds of influences. There's for me. There's kind of the an idealistic influence, like kind of the way a musician, like kind of their theory on what makes you good music. But there's also like the sounds and everything that like. I write is really based on what I've been listening to, really. Like, when I wrote that record, I was listening to, um, if you listen to the song Friends, it's obviously I'd been listening to a lot of Exile on Main Street by the Rolling Stones. And, mm-hmm. like, I was listening to a lot of Led Zeppelin and Black Sabbath. Those were big influences on Close the Raven, and as well as, uh, the Foo Fighters, they put out that Wasting Light record last year that just blew me away. And also, like, Queens of the Stone Age was a big influence. So it was That's a, stuck. Yeah, Quite it was a the melting pot. Yeah. yeah. Um, and tell me a bit about your songwriting process. Uh, you mentioned that you're, you get inspired by these, uh, these other albums, other bands. Uh, where do you write? Is there a good time of day to write? What inspires you? Well, the lyrics from the EP were mostly written goofing off during my third period math class in grade 11. <laughs> okay. So, they, yeah, and I tend to write a lot of lyrics. I write lyrics out of boredom a lot of the times. What grade usually, did you get in that class? Um, I actually did surprisingly well. <laughs> oh, nice. I was, surpri- I was surprised. It was, but uh, um, and it was usually just kind of when I was, what I would do is I'd get all my work finished, really quick, so that if my teacher ever did confront me about it, I could show him I was done and keep writing. Mhm. So. So in, in the classroom. 
Tuesday, you ready, Sam? Yeah, yeah, that was... And uh, the music, it's... My writing process has kind of changed over the while, but as I've... Like, I'm writing for the next record right now because I want to get more stuff out, and I found that as time goes on, I'm, I write better when I'm under a lot of pressure to write. Like, if mm-hmm. you just kind of tell... Like, if I'm told, oh, well, just kind of write when it comes to you. I'm going to even then call us when you have the album done. I, I'll never get it done because I need something that kind of push me. Well, if, like, say I schedule the date that I'm going into the studio, start recording, I'm writing like a madman all the way up to it because cause I know there's mm-hmm. work to be done. Right. Okay. I guess that's a good motivator to have deadlines. And, uh, Tamika, yeah, I heard from three different though. people that you wanted to uh, ask Paul a question. I'm sorry? <laughs> well, I'm curious, at such a young age, are you, do you have a good crew around you to keep you from being exploited? Because I know that's something that you've mentioned in your music. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I've, you know, I've, I've been to places, I've never been around anybody who I really felt I was in any kind of danger of. There's been people... Of course, I've, I'm always a person that's kind of weary of people, and I'm always somebody who's, like, I, yeah, I'm cautious around people, and then at this day and age in the music, the way the music industry is, you do have to be cautious, because I know there's a lot of artists that I really love that have ended up in some tough spots, so you do have to really watch it, and that's what I... I'm guessing you're referring to the song Exploitable Youth. Yes. And, um, yeah, that song was about my frustration, about, you know, feeling and feeling like it's almost, you don't, you feel like a product. And that's always something I've never wanted to feel like. And I wrote the lyrics to that song when I was about 16. And I just remember it was because when, when I was 16, everybody said, like, I never wanted it to be kind of a, uh, a it always felt like it was a gimmick to be great at 16. Mm -hmm. And to be good at what you're doing. And for me, I wanted to be more recognized as having just general, just being generally good at what I'm doing. (laughs) Rather Mm -hmm. than just, uh, like, good for 16. It was tough to figure out whether that's, what people were saying, whether I was just good for 16 or was I actually good at what I was doing. That's a val- and that's a very valid reason for asking that, too. Yeah. Especially with all the teen bands that are out. Yeah. But yeah. Uh, your acoustic music obviously supersedes that right now, so yeah. k- kudos for that. Especially Thank since you. you have The Raven, which is one of my uh, favorite poets, Edgar Allan Poe. So yeah. I'll give you kudos for that, too. <laughs> so, so that exploitable youth song, is, it's not about Justin Bieber? No. <laughs> now, Cole, your mother bought you a guitar because she thought it would help you with your writing. I read you had a writing disability. Tell me about yep, that. Yep, I still have a writing disability to this day. Mhm. Okay. And and she thought that a guitar would help. Yeah, she thought that. She was. She wasn't correct about that part. My writing is still terrible to this day. Now I read that it just said you had a bad signature, but do you do you have bad penmanship altogether? Just general bad penmanship. I mean, I don't 
I never worry about anybody copywriting the lyrics out of my notebook because, honestly, <laughs> if they can read it, they deserve it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm confused as to how she thought that your playing, learning to play guitar, would help you be a better writer. Was it for the whole well, hand-eye coordination? Well, because writing involves a lot of um, like motor skills. Mm-hmm. Like hand-eye coordination, and guitar is all hand-eye coordination, which is why I kind of wonder why I was able to able to learn it and pick it up so naturally. Like I was, I wasn't always a good guitarist. It took me a really long time to get to where I am right now. I'm getting, I'm getting to the point where I, I'm getting pretty good at it. But I've always considered myself a stronger songwriter than a guitarist. Okay. That's why and I have you the other wrote your first in song band. in seventh grade. Do you remember what that song was about? Uh, it was a song. I was. It was my lyrics have matured a lot as the years went. It was a. It was a very heavy metal song I wrote called "Edge of the Blade." Edge of the Blade. That sounds Edge pretty morbid. Yeah, they, the early songs are pretty morbid. But, I mean, <laughs> the songs I write now, they're still, they're morbid, but with a little more. I, they're not quite as heavy as the first songs I wrote. I was always a very overdramatic person. <laughs> I embellish uh, a bit. I would. Uh huh. Um, I I read that. I mean, was that song about anything in particular? Did with the edge of the blade? What what, what was um, that about? It was about it was about injustice mostly. It was about kind of being dissatisfied with the justice system. As far in as Canada? I can remember. Uh, just in general, the, just the justice okay. system in North America, because the Canadian and American judicial systems aren't that different. We're quite similar. Mm. <laughs> That's not gotcha. good to hear. Dang. Yeah. <laughs> um, and uh, I read that you had uh, combined sort of the, your old school influences with these fresh approaches to songwriting, from uh, the more current bands like Queens of the Stone Age, what kind of uh, what what kind of musical fresh approaches uh, did you, of those bands did you apply to your music? Um, I think the biggest thing was actually, as much as Queens are a big influence, I think the band that really changed my perspective was the White Stripes, Jack White, because okay. his approach of minimalism was something that really spoke to me because what happened is as rock and roll got bigger, it the sound got bigger. It got about how complex you could play and how intricate you could play and how big and loud everything could be. But Jack White kind of reinvented it by saying, like, well, instead of making everything bigger and bigger, let's... He, his, basically, his whole idea was to do the bare minimum like just mm-hmm. strip everything down, and I think that was something that really spoke to me in, as a new direction. And I wanted okay. to kind of find something like that, like find a new way of looking at things. And um, what can your? I, I read that you're going to be the sole songwriter on your next EP. Uh, what can your fans expect to hear from that from that EP? Um. It's it's not going to be too different. It's going to be, I think it's going to have a little more edge and a little more bite than Quoth the Raven. It's going to be, it's going to be a longer record too. It's going to have a lot more material on it, and uh, 
It's going to have a much rawer, more aggressive sound, I think. Uh, rawer right. and more aggressive. Um, yeah. yeah, it's like they're... That's what Tamika's and my friendship has become. More raw and aggressive. Uh, Cole, I read in your bio that you took a vacation, you came back, and you had 26,000 Twitter followers. Is that true? Yes, yeah. Um, the the funny thing was, the my uh, management didn't tell me when they were going to release the uh, EP, so I went on a school trip with my high school. I went to Paris and Barcelona for a week. So I had to mm-hmm. shut all the data off of my phone so that I wouldn't come back to a gigantic bill. So I really was kind of, I didn't get, I didn't hear much from home. I They released it while I was away, actually, and they sent me a message and then about that. So I was kind of like, okay, cool, yeah, the record's out. And I came home and I logged on to my Twitter and about fell off my chair. Because <laughs> <laughs> That's incredible. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it was, oh, it was just one of those kind of surreal, like, where did I just come from, or my, did I land in the right house? <laughs> <laughs> All right, so what we're gonna do is, uh, since we're running uh, low on time tonight, I'm gonna play after, I'm gonna play uh, both yours and Matthew's music after his interview, um, so uh, people can tune in until the end of the show, so you can hear some of Cole's music. And um, people can find you at colehermer.ca. Yeah, www.colehermer.ca. Okay, great. Check it out. Quote the Raven is the EP. Uh, Cole Hermer, thank you so much for joining the program. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Thank you. Absolutely. All right. Take care. Have a good night. Bye. You too. Bye. That was Cole Hermer. Um, So, uh, Tamika, this, this... this tennis match is eight years in the making, and we never, you know, we didn't get to play one point yesterday. Oh, you're back with the tennis match, even. You <laughs> cut yourself. You don't know if you have I, tetanus or not. Come on. What? You don't know if you have tetanus or not. You cut oh, yourself on need... a can. Yeah, do I need to get a shot when, now? When's the last time you got vaccinated? Man, I just got I'm vaccinated really... last week, but it was for something else. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, those kind of cuts on cans like that are really nothing to mess around with, but at least I guess you put Neosporin on it, I guess. I would have put alcohol yeah. on it, not the kind you can yeah. drink, but like rubbing alcohol or peroxide or something. But I, the yeah. last thing after that would not have been on my mind to play tennis after that. <laughs> That's a a wrap on that. I mean, if you've been waiting for eight years, though, you, may, you might. You might. I, yeah. You know what? And, and you're talking to a woman that got, had, had suffered a major concussion and still showed up to a standing room only uh, position for Spring Awakening after I already had seen the show 20 some odd <laughs> times. So, yeah. Bleeding, <laughs> dabbing away blood from my upper lip, and everyone else watching my head swell. I'm standing back there singing singing the bitch of living. So, yeah, no, I get it. I get it. I get it. And and it was the bitch of living for you that day. Yeah, but I had an ambulance respond. So I'm okay with that. (laughs) All right. All right. Our next guest 
his new album is called Invitation. Please welcome to the program Matthew Heller. And the applause is... Hey, Blaze and Ray. <laughs> Brian, you there? Matthew, Hello? this is Tamika. How you doing? I'm doing well. How you doing, Tamika? Good, good, good. I think we may have lost Ryan for a hot minute, but that's okay. So, But I know you're here on the show to talk about uh, your music, obviously, being in the rock and roll, uh, rock and roll folk stories. Uh, give us a general synopsis of what your music style is like, if you can. It's like rock and roll, <laughs> generally. Really? Just straight up rock and roll? No folk? It's like uh, the kind of rock and roll that makes you bow down and pray to God that your face doesn't melt off its skull. And uh... Well, and the reason I ask, because I'm from the West Coast originally, and I see that you're from... The West Coast as well, uh, so I, I understand are the you face not where the are you originally from? I'm originally from Sacramento, California. But okay. I ain't too far. Okay. I ain't too far. We but, just played uh, a show down there a little while ago. It was a, it was a great great scene to play play at. Yes, Sacramento's wonderful, and I know the music. That's why I was asking if you could, you know, just give us a little tidbit about. You know what? I hate to say, like the sound like the chick from Blair Witch, but what's your motivation besides just rock and roll? What drives your lyrics? Well, I think a lot of my songs are about a lack of motivation. Maybe uh, nothing is driving any any of it, and uh, that's why people huh. like it because it's. More human. Well, I'm not folks to be have compared you to say anything too well, special. Well, I think folks have compared you to Smashing Pumpkins, who I absolutely loved and had a chance to see in, at the Fillmore up there in San Francisco, and then at uh, the Greek. I think at the Greek. Uh, who knows? Because that was during the college years, and I may have been drinking at that point. But uh, <laughs> with the, uh, I mean. When when I saw the Smashing Pumpkins comparison, I I actually truly appreciate that because I love that band, which means I love your music as well. Yeah, yeah, they're. I don't know. I get compared to a lot of bands like that, and and I don't know if those comparisons are totally spot on or not, but I appreciate. Um, I. I appreciate the kind words for sure. Uh, Matthew, um, sorry, I got cut off my own uh, program before. Um, uh, now, <laughs> thanks for uh, taking us off, Tamika. Um, yes. It's. Uh, it, I read that Mark Morton said you are one of the more aggressive singer-songwriters to come upon the music scene. Uh, what does that mean? Are you like going around after gigs, beating people up, or during your gigs even? No, I'm I'm definitely not beating anybody up. Uh, I think he's talking probably about our tour schedule and my tour schedule as a as an individual solo artist. But uh, maybe 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 we have a rep out there for beating people up. 
Maybe it's sleep, <laughs> sleep, sleep fighting. We we get done at a show, everyone goes to bed, and then wakes up in the middle of the night and beats up other bands in town. I kind of like that. <laughs> while you're asleep, are you sleep walking while fighting? Sleep fighting, yeah. Well, how else would I? I can't. I can't be fighting. I know I'm not fighting people while I'm awake. I'm not really much of a fighter, to be honest. Good. Um, And your bio says also, uh, his latest invitation is a stunning display of raw nerve, emotionality, and fine songcraft with a broad dynamic palette that stretches from euphoric rock to introspective ballads. Can you say that same thing but make it sound less pompous? Yeah, I don't really know what that means. Um, I think it just means someone likes my songs. Uh-huh. I, I write them on piano and guitar, and I don't think it's it's spectacular. I think it's just something to listen to. It's music. Mm-hmm. And you've said of, of your music, uh, this is rock and roll for people who want to fuck up shit and break things. We are the generation of divorce and post-heroin addicted 1990s suburban hipsters. My music is old-time American country folk rock with brutal force. Um, that quote makes you seem a bit angry, but I hear you're not an angry person. Um, why do you want to break things, and, and what shit do you want to fuck up? Well, pretty much breaking things is fun as hell. And uh, <laughs> I basically just want to fuck up other bands. I don't like other music. I don't like other musicians really that much. Mm-hmm. Don't get along with them. No, just I'm just kidding. I go on. <laughs> uh, we have some great other musicians on this album, actually. Uh, Shenandoah Davis from Seattle is a brilliant songwriter, and uh, she's she's on the album as well as Nathan Trube from the band Tango Alpha Tango, which is a fantastic band from here. I've heard of them. Yeah. Um, and uh, and you are from Portland, Oregon, right? What, is Portland as weird as they make it look on Portlandia? Uh, no, the people from Portlandia are all from L.A., so I don't know what they're doing up here. I don't know what anyone is doing in my exactly. hometown. Exactly. I wish, if if you know anybody who's thinking of moving to Portland, please tell them, don't. Really, you don't like it? <laughs> No, I don't. I don't really give a shit. Tell them to move here. I don't care. Well, is this ice cream truck from coming from your end, Tamika? Is there an ice cream truck around where you guys are here? I'm on? trying my best not to scream ice cream because I know I'm on the air with you guys, so I'm going to uh, try and alleviate that sound in uh, one moment and mute off my mic. I'm so sorry. You just got to go get some ice cream. Liberate your desires. <laughs> <laughs> that is outside. the most annoying song. If it's if it's as hot where you are, where it is where I am, then I know you want ice cream. <laughs> um, so you, uh, you've been compared to Smashing Pumpkins, The Pixies, Coldplay, Modest Mouse. Um, by whom have you been influenced musically, Smash? Well, none of those bands. Those bands are a bunch of assholes. <laughs> you don't mean that. But, but, uh, just everything that, you know, I grew up on the same stuff everyone else did. Listening to the Beatles and 
old Motown records and shit like that. So that's really mm-hmm. where I come from, the blues and and the folk music from, you know, my parents' generation. And okay. So you got a little 60s rock, 70s Motown, folk, uh, and and you've used that to create this brutal folk sound. And uh, not only are you musically active, but you're you're socially active, and, and there are a lot of things that you uh, put into your songs. Um, there's been a lot of talk in the news lately about uh, drones. You have a song called Drone Strike. Tell me a little bit about that song. Well, we wrote that song because... Basically, it wasn't really a news story until um, about a year ago, and uh, Mm -hmm. I mean, I wrote it because I think it's a wretched, evil system, but, you know, there's been lots of talk, and if drones want to deliver me burritos or monitor whether cows are (laughs) shitting in our drinking water or not, I think drones should do that stuff. I just don't think they should be flying in my window and blowing me up. Yeah. But I also don't expect them to do that to me because I'm a white man living in America. So the song Mm -hmm. is really about what it's like for someone possibly who isn't living in America, who has to eat shit and drink piss every day and Mm -hmm. has no choice but to just fucking get blown up on accident one time because they look like someone else in their neighborhood. And um, you say, along these social issues, you say, I'm not an angry person, I'm just fighting against the biggest corporations, the NRA, the Army, the gun lobby in Hollywood where they make movies that make guns look cool, or songs that promote love. Now, a lot of people in this country would would take serious offense to you including the, the army in, in that list of folks against whom you're fighting. What we what would you say to them? Well, I don't know exactly I didn't that's not exactly what I said, but um mm-hmm. you know I think that uh well first of all that uh America's the greatest country in the world and that uh the well, and it's also a fact that the army is the biggest organization in the world and employs the most people. And so you think with that power and that um, ability and all the, uh, some people say that army intelligence is an oxymoron, but I think that's that's complete bullshit. That's just liberal mm-hmm. claptrap. And when you when you think of the ability of the army to build shit and um, organize things. Uh, really, um, the goddamn corporations in the oil industry and the gas industry are really fucking our country by not allowing our army to do jobs by um, building, like, water systems and places for people to drink stuff so that they don't have to drink piss, you know? That's... um, why I wrote that song, Drone Strike, and maybe that's why the quote was sort of applied to the army, but, um, uh-huh. you know, also, 
you know, I have a big family, so I have people in my family who've served, and uh, there's nothing that is more important to me than um, respect for those who serve. And uh, I think that it's important that everyone in America serves uh, for our country. And uh, I think there are different ways that, that different Americans can serve as well. Mm-hmm. And, so I don't know uh, if uh, that answers your question or not. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and uh, also along those lines of that question, um, I feel like a lot of people who are anti-establishment um, are, are not against Hollywood action movies. Why do you think you're against those as well? Well, I think that uh, mass me- I, I studied... Uh, media policy at the New School University in New York City. And, uh, you know, you know, it's a very liberal college full of morons. But uh, the one thing that is true, whether you're liberal or conservative or not even political at all, which is kind of how I see myself, is mm-hmm. um, you can't really escape the... Uh, constant flow of mass media and that advertising space which is everywhere on the radio, on the internet on your television, in the movies while you're driving there's not, there's pretty much very little time that a human being has when they're not sleeping um, where they can escape uh, advertising and, and that type of garbage and um I think that's hurtful to our society. In almost America, like specifically. A, almost like the movie uh, Minority Report where you're walking along, it scans your retinas and it tells it gives you a gap ad or something like that. You know? Or for me it might give me a supermarket ad or where the nearest liquor store is. I mean who knows? <laughs> yeah. Um and and Matthew this do you ever uh, do you ever worry about offending people with your anti-establishment candor? Well, I don't really consider it anti-establishment, mm-hmm. but um, not really. I don't really worry about offending people because, first of all, people who go to rock shows want a little bit of abuse. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know if you've been to a rock show or not before, but yeah. people love um, to have their faces removed and replastered back on in a different way than they showed up to the show. Otherwise, they wouldn't pay to fucking come. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Okay. Um, yeah, so anybody got time to worry? Tamika, you got a question? Well, it sounds like Matthew is going under a full-on existentialist uh, sort of lifestyle. Is that sort of in the realm of what you're making your music with or your philosophy with the somewhat anti-establishment but still being patriotic because that is actually a stance you can have? I don't know. I don't know. I'm not too caught up in the politics of, of it all. I just... There are just a few things that I think deserve songs, you know, and if songs can change minds, um, that's all that I, I really care about. It's not, not some 
I don't believe in some crazy uh, you know revolutionary goal I don't have anything like that I just want to write songs for my friends and family and people who listen to music that will make them think about something perhaps they haven't thought about in the context of a song before I don't it's well, not too it's not too complicated it's pretty much just like folk music <laughs> all right. white drones folk music that's saying something that drones are now uh part of our uh vernacular with folk music well yeah and and when we put our music video out it there was very little media even on YouTube about drones except for the filming of drones killing people and so I thought maybe maybe you know if we throw this video up and it just got it's still just getting tons of views it's it's kind of amazing. It's really, I can imagine really well, because you know that they're here in the United States too. So that's why I keyed into that. That's why it's now some of the new vernacular, I would say, in within folk music and I applaud you for being able to where people wouldn't people don't watch the news but they might hear your song and be like, Hey, wait a minute. Folk songs are actually about storytelling. This guy is actually telling us a story that is actually somewhat present because he's halfway young. So what's going on? So I applaud you for that. That's good. Well, you know, I I once was blind, but but now I see. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Well, now they all see right now, but. <laughs> and Matthew, you uh, I read a little bit about your your childhood. You grew up with a a mother who was addicted to heroin. Uh, tell me a little bit about that. That must have been hell on earth for you as a kid. Yep, uh, pretty much. I don't know. Uh, you know, I grew up on a farm, so I recommend everybody grows up on a farm. Okay. Uh, and I read that you would uh, kind of hide in in your barn to be away from these um, addicts who would come over? Well, yeah. Yeah, sometimes, but a barn is just a really uh, cool place to hang out in as well, mm-hmm. you know. And uh, do you think that that experience made you uh, stronger uh, as a person and, and musically? Well, you know, it just gives you lots of stuff to write songs about. Mm-hmm. Fair enough. You know, there's uh, lots and- of songwriters who don't really... I'm sorry, go ahead. No, no, go ahead. I just think songwriting, this sort of has to do with what we were talking about earlier, but songwriting is about being a good listener and being able to feel compassion, you know, for other people. People mm-hmm. that you might might be outside your circle of comfort, people you don't see every day or or know very well. Right. And uh, before we go, tell us a little bit about this uh, new album, Invitation. What can people expect to hear on it? Uh, well, the best way of summing it up, I guess, is post-grunge. I like that I like that term. It's not really used. I, I think I'm the first person to maybe use it, post-grunge. Okay. <laughs> and uh-huh. uh, it's folk rock. 
uh, a lot of rock and roll. There's piano. There's drums and bass. It's thrashing and heavy and thoughtful. And there are other adjectives that describe my music. Mm-hmm. Like interesting and deeply invigorating. <laughs> All right. Interesting and deeply invigorating. Um, well, check them out, MatthewHeller.com. That is your site, correct? No, it's HellerMusic.com. Oh, Heller. Ah, that was my second guess. Sorry about that. I must be a different Matthew Heller. HellerMusic.com. And on Twitter, follow that Matthew Heller Matthew. is a total asshole. Don't go to MatthewHeller.com. That Matthew Heller, <laughs> fuck that guy. No, he's dating some asshole from Hollywood. He's from L.A. He makes these cheesy little art things. I hate that Matthew Heller. Don't buy his art. <laughs> oh, yeah. Hey. Art. It's not even art. It's fart. <laughs> it's it's just a bunch of words. He went to fart school. A bunch of words. Okay. Uh-huh. It's hellermusic.com. H-E-L-L-E-R. Like, heller high water. Like, Blazing Ray, you should... Come hell or high water, never have that guy on your show again, because he's a complete <laughs> fucking nutcase. So, H-E-L-L-E-R music dot com. Well, we, we like the nutcases here on this show. So, uh, yes, we uh, do. Thank you so much for, for coming on. The new album is Invitation. Uh, Hellermusic.com, Matthew Heller1 on Twitter. Thank you so much for joining the program, sir. Thank you, Glaze and Ray. Absolutely. Have a good night. Take care. All right. Uh, Tamika Kitt, how you doing over there? <laughs> Is this thing on? What, what's um, happening? I, what happened? So you, what what you, happened? <laughs> because what, what, <laughs> I just, I, I understand the conflict. I understand the struggle. But what happened? <laughs> That's okay. That's okay. I don't know. A- I don't know. Um, <laughs> so, uh, now, do, do, you, do you have to do you have to leave now, or do, or or do you have time for when we play these these songs? You got to get out of here. What do you got to do? Well, now <laughs> at this point, I've delayed because it's we're past our time a little bit. I want to hear, you know, the songs again. And see what just happened. Yeah. Okay. Because, so yeah. let's do that. That and is special. <laughs> I I don't know. I I I don't. I hate this. I, I hate the phrase. I can't. But I don't know because I don't think. I, I you think hate these the what? Know what they're talking about. I think these people know what they're talking about, and I understand the craziness of it. But I would like to hear their music behind it. I I honestly would like to hear their music. Again, okay. well, now that I've okay. spoken to each one of these individuals. So, yeah. so I'm going to give you you the choice. Uh, but we're going to stick. I was going to play Coles first to go in order the interview, but I think we need to stick with this energy, Matthew's energy for now. Um, <laughs> and just based on song title alone, do you want me to play Another Dose, Dismay King, Shake It, or Space Girl? Space Girl. 
the Space, space Cadet was just on. So, yeah, let's <laughs> go. So it was Spice World. All right, here we go. Space Girl, yeah, Matthew Miller. Than what? 
Well, it sounded like Smashing Pumpkins. Well, it sounded like a derivative of Smashing Pumpkins. No one can really ever sound like Smashing Pumpkins, and they're not trying to do that. But this guy, obviously, he's trying to have his message and focus out there, and with the group that he's with right now, the band that he's with, that's actually a pretty good song. I could see Mm -hmm. that playing on K-Rock out in L.A., where where he's telling everybody not to come from, so that's fine. (laughs) <laughs> did he say that to you? Yeah, didn't he say that on the air? Don't come to El- don't come to Portland. Yeah, he said don't come, come to LA? Portland. Yeah, he told uh, if people from LA don't come to Portland. So, <laughs> that's fine. I think he told yeah. everyone don't come to Portland. Um, <laughs> and then he and then he reneged and said I, I don't give a shit. Come to Portland, whatever. Uh, and just it's keep in mind, this too. isn't that. Fucking MatthewHeller.com, asshole. This is HellerMusic.com. Just remember that. <laughs> <laughs> right. And <laughs> we got one last song to play before we go. Again, okay. based on title title alone and what you know of the songs, uh, do we want to hear from Cole Hermer and the Ravens? Do we want to hear... Wait, is that their name? Cole Hermer and the Ravens? That's what I saw in the paperwork. Oh, oh, quote the Raven... Nevermore, yes, okay. Uh, so it is a band name in a way. Anyway, do we want to hear California Breakdown, Friends, Maybe, or Teenage Creed? Teenage Creed. Because All right. still, Yeah, because he wrote most of his music as a teenager. So yep, it is in that math class in 11th grade. Yep. This was... Cole Hermer and the Ravens, Teenage Creepier.
Yes. Cole Hammer. Yeah. Teen Age Creed. What think you of that one? I like that one. <laughs> that was good. Both were good. Yes. Both very talented young musicians. One one very peppy and happy, and one <laughs> clearly going through some, some things. <laughs> but hey, you know what? It's it's like uh it's like I always say, you can't you can't be a, a a really good true artist without being a little crazy. Like, you know, people people hate Kanye West as a person, but I say, well, if he wasn't insane then he wouldn't be a good artist. No good? No, that's cool. I... You know, he, he's living his life. I, I recently I've just really focused on people trying to live their life as best as they can without trying to harm other people. And if they come off a little crazy, then maybe that's you checking yourself as well, saying, "Dang, did I do that too? Or am I that crazy?" <laughs> no, that's all. But then there's mm-hmm. some things, obviously. Northwest, I have a problem with, but that that's okay. <laughs> but, but, like I mean, that but but I have a problem with the chick that I went to high school with named Aquanetta as well, because she was the same name as the damn hairspray that we were using. So it don't Aquanetta? matter. Aquanetta. Aquanetta. I went to high school with a chick named Aquanetta. Mm-hmm. So, I, I mean, I guess she got off easy. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, compared to uh, Northwest, but maybe. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Well, you know, hopefully uh, that baby will have a nice. Uh, you know, did you hear that Northwest Airlines uh, made a statement after Northwest was born and said, "Oh, great, another Northwest destined for failure and turbulence." No, and I don't even joke about airlines, man. Come on, give me a break. You mean you mean after the uh, the weekend? Yeah, but the, uh, I knew something was up with that, but that's okay. I mean, it's okay. It's just, it's going to be as okay as it's going to be. You know, it's not like anyone did anything intentional. It literally yeah. was just something. Uh, it, it, it sounds like when you're driving your car and you think you've hit the brakes and you haven't, and you hit the car in front of you, not knowing that you didn't have that much braking space. That's all. Mm-hmm. It's a very unfortunate accident, and it could have been so much worse. But they they almost got it. But unfortunately, some things in life almost just ain't gonna make it. That's all. Mm-hmm. Well, just just in case people are listening to this, you know, like two years from now, uh, we're referring to the uh, crash, the crash landing in San Francisco over the weekend, killed two people. Uh, and um, injured uh, yeah, a bunch more. SFO, yeah, SFO, a uh, Asiana aircraft uh, arriving from South Korea was attempting to make a landing at SFO, San Francisco International Airport, and unfortunately the uh, tail portion and uh, bit of the landing gear hit the seawall. Uh, the plane they have discovered so far was going too slow and too low. And that's what took place. Right. Well, our thoughts are certainly with the victims of that crash, and uh, hopefully uh, people are recovering, and um, hearts certainly go out to the grieving family. Uh, Mm -hmm. Now, 
uh, Tamika let us uh, close the podcast. Um, we'll be back on Wednesday with Blazing Ride backstage, and um, and next Monday we have a wonderful um, the normal show. Yeah, maybe the normal thing is uh, uh, you know Tamika. Maybe the normal thing is these ladies that get their cocks cut off and turn into vaginas. Wow. I don't know. I guess so. I don't know. <laughs> All right. Well, I can think of no better way of ending the, the broadcast than by saying, if it ain't showbiz, it ain't a biz, hit the brakes, Florence. And if you have a Barbie doll, Tamika Kid, thank you so much for co-hosting tonight. What are you going to do with that Barbie doll? Well, I've seen several different things, but lately Barbie's been chilling. But if not, and if she gets on your nerves, you know, you can always bend her backwards, burn her nipples, and chop off her hair, chop off the front of her feet, and then leave her somewhere for your distressed mother to find and think that you're going to be, like, real crazy. And maybe one day I'll actually make a lot of money. We'll go from there. Maybe you'll actually what? Make a lot of money. Because that's insane. Why would a child do that? And you forgot to say you left her in his drawers, too. Well, okay, maybe that time. <laughs> <laughs> Were you leaving naked Barbies around as well? I don't know. I really don't. You're I asking you were too many a, questions. You're asking you were too a many disturbed questions. Child. <laughs> I right. don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> That's why I'm a medic and help people. So I don't go back there to that dark place. Right. Right. Well, nothing can bring us to a darker place than that that, that second interview. So. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. He was okay, though. He he huh? had a purpose. He was okay, though. He had a purpose. What he was trying, yeah. he had a purpose and a message he was trying to get out. I just, it's, it takes it? work. To, it, takes, it takes a little time to try and articulate it to the masses of what you want to get out. He's worried about people being invaded upon with their personal privacy and their drones and the other people that have been invaded upon in foreign countries with the drones and stuff like that. I knew where he was going. I thought you were getting ready to turn into Alex Jones, and then I'd have to leave. So I didn't know. Who's Alex Jones? Who's that? Oh, never mind. If I know who he is and you don't, then you might not even have me back on. So that's cool. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Well, you've been listening to Blazin' Ray Radio for the week of, Monday, January 8th, 2013. Good night, Tamika. Good night, everybody. Good night. Bye. Bye.